Okay, Nigel. Um, you know, we've we've all been there. Do you ever, you know, get on an airplane or like stuck in jury duty or something, <laughs> right? Like I've done a bunch both of people of those. you don't know. Um uh, like you get on the airplane or a bus seat, or bus or bus. Um any transportation mode that you prefer. Mm. Um you have to sit next to someone that you don't know. Rickshaw. Rickshaw, yeah. Um, and you have to make like small talk with that person. Yeah. I don't make small talk with anybody because I hate <laughs> talking to people. I don't know. Um, but some people do. So you sit down and you know, they might ask you what you do for a living. Do you, yeah. do you tell them what you do for a living? I, I usually do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I usually do tell them. Um, do you ever feel like a moment of decision that like, do I want to have this conversation? Should I just yeah. say that I like sell wallpaper or something? Yeah. Or should I really tell them that I'm I an work archaeologist? In <laughs> right? And I kind of wonder, like, because I, I have that kind of thought in my head sometimes in those situations. And I don't know. I don't know if in other lines of work people have the same yeah. kind of like feeling about talking about what they do. Yeah. I think that for one, there's a lot of misunderstandings about what archaeology is. Right. But people, some of the some people that have the misunderstandings might, you know, understand the concept of what archaeology is, but they just don't get the specifics. But also, sometimes people have no idea. And one example that always comes to mind when I, when even when anybody asks me that question, um, "What do you do?" I um, this I immediately remember this situation. I was at a party and uh, talking to this friend of mine. And she asks me, um, you know, what are you, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, well, I'm an archaeologist. And she's like, oh, bugs are fascinating. (laughs) (laughs) And so I didn't correct her, though. I was like, yes, bugs are very, (laughs) bugs are really cool. (laughs) Right, because it's like the moment that you say that, like, I'm an archaeologist, there's just, you know, you're probably the only archaeologist that that person has ever met in their life. And, like, archaeology is really exciting. I love talking about it. But, you know, then you just kind of get into this scenario where, like, okay, now I have to tell you, like, everything because I just told you, like, this one thing. Right. 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 And I think another issue is that people recognize what archaeology is, but they're completely disconnected that archaeology happens in their backyard here in Florida, right? right? It's like Yeah, and it's always like, oh, do you uh, work in Egypt or in, like, you know... Wherever it's like no, I work in. I've always worked in Florida. That's yeah. the only place. I've ever I'm not worked. laughing at Egypt per se, but I I hear that so much. Yeah. Like oh you oh you must love the pyramids. <laughs> like, it's like I think they're cool. Definitely. Pyramids are really cool. I, I can't I can I can tell you absolutely right. nothing about the pyramids except that they were made by human beings. People people can do math. Okay, <laughs> yeah. all right. People can do math, and I think one of the main things that separates folks that know something about archaeology and folks that don't is what the subject of our episode today is right the most dreaded question the most dreaded question of all time Ooh, that was a good voice thanks and that is what's the coolest thing you ever found (laughs) i've been asked that question a lot of times yeah and so in this episode we traveled to the reception for the Florida Anthropological Society meeting, and we asked a bunch of our semi-drunk archaeology friends the most dreaded question, what's the coolest thing you ever found? And what their answers illustrate, uh, I think, really like reveals something about archaeology and, and, what, and what we do. Yeah. And that's what we're going to discuss today. That's the road we're on, kids. So uh, buckle up and uh, let's do this. Context. So that's yeah. why. Yeah, it's not archaeologists. You know, I mean, the stuff is cool, um, but that's not really what we're we're out for. I mean, we're out to uh, find out something, uh, tell a story, and the the object itself doesn't always tell the story. It's everything that's around. It was recording. We got that. <laughs> I think it's all the pollen. 
I never thought I would have a dog, but I have a dog now. <laughs> Welcome to the Materialists, episode five. The fifth episode. Cinco. Cinco. My name is Nigel Rudolph, public archaeology coordinator with the Florida Public Archaeology Network, um, out of Crystal River, and as always... I am still Becky O'Sullivan, and I'm still the Public Archaeology Coordinator at the West Central Office of the Florida Public Archaeology Network, based in beautiful Tampa, Florida. And we are recording, once again, from the one of the materialists' home studios. I think it's the better I, it, studio. Yeah, it's because of this Definitely. carpet. Yeah, it's, it's the carpet. such a fancy carpet. I see carpet. that you vacuumed it. It looks I really do. nice. <laughs> yeah. Very nice car. I'm trying to keep the dog off of it because yeah. my dog is filthy. Yeah. Well, uh, episode five. So we that we've been doing pretty good. And I, what I've noticed about our episodes is that we are getting better with each oh episode. God. And I think it's um it's been a, a serious learning curve to figure out how to do this and yeah. how to speak properly and how to not say um and uh. Oh as God! Much. I still say like so much. Oh yeah. I'm sorry, everybody. I mean, it's a, well, you're a millennial, so yes, that's true. I'm a millennial. But I almost said um. But so on this episode today, we're going to be covering a, a you know a plethora of subject matter. We're going to, of course, talk about the dun 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 the most dreaded question. Um, we're going to be touching on um, the Florida Anthropological Society conference that was just held in Crystal River. We're going to be, of course, like we always do, giving our examples of, um, well, you always do. <laughs> you gave one, too. <laughs> I sometimes slip out of uh, the responsibility of giving my example. Um, and then we're going to be talking about this really important kind of um, tenant of archaeology as a science. This past weekend, there was a, a special event here in Florida. Becky, why don't you tell us about that? Yes, past weekend, we were honored to be at and to actually host the 71st annual meeting of the Florida Anthropological Society, which was held this year in Crystal River. Beautiful Crystal River. Yes. And so the FAS conference is the kind of yearly event when all the archaeology nerds descend on one place to share their research, to collaborate and talk with each other and just um, generally have a good time. So it was great to get to be a part of that and to, to host it this year. Yeah. And what's really interesting to us nerds is that for the first time in 50 years, a half a century the FAS conference was back um, yep. at the Crystal River Archaeological State Park is where we held the reception. So um, really amazing uh, moment, actually. And I'll post we'll, – we'll post a picture of as many FAS attendees at, attended the, the, uh, the reception um, standing on the steps to the large uh, mound day. We'll post that on the Instagram. Yeah. Um, it was really – it was actually really a touching – kind of a touching yeah, moment. It was, awesome. it was really cool. Yeah. I think – you know, Florida archaeology can sometimes be contentious and people have their opinions and things. And so, but it, it, everybody seemed to be, to put so much aside to come together and recognize the importance of the moment and mm -hmm. um, kind of share and how cool it was to have this really amazing reception at this fantastic archaeological site. Yeah. And just like to go, you know, farther down that, like, <laughs> like, um, kind of rabbit hole the crystal river site too was it was great it was a great place to have a party and for people to come together but i couldn't help but thinking the whole time we were there that like we are having this reception literally at a place that was created like a thousand plus years ago for people to come together from yeah. all across <laughs> what is now florida to have like parties right, right? so that's yeah. exactly what this place is made for and that's exactly what we're doing here now like for different reasons obviously but well, it was it's, just, it was it's all crazy. ceremony, right? Like yes, we were having yeah. ceremony in Crystal River is a civic ceremonial center. Yeah. Um, so on a side note, we got a comment. A nerdy comment. A nerdy comment from a listener. And I'm going to share that with uh, with 
the other listeners. Um, we got a comment from Mr. Matt Burke, um, who is the lead singer and rhythm guitar player oh, hey. for Have Gun Will Travel. And uh, those of you that are not of the know, Have Gun Will Travel song is what our intro song is. Um, it's one of their tunes, A Silver in the Age of Opulence. And so Matt uh, messaged me and he wrote, Digging your podcast, brother. Pun intended. Get it digging. Um, <laughs> just, just listen to your first episode. Super nerdy. I love it. One of my favorite podcasts is Stuff You Should Know. I enjoy their banter. Yours has a similar dynamic. I think the vibe or feel of a podcast is just as important as the subject matter. And yours Aww. has a good, fun, and positive vibe. Interesting and informative as well. Well done, my friend. Thanks, Matt. Thank you, Matt. And, you know, you can uh, send us yes. a note, too. <laughs> yeah, please. Give us. We want your comments. And if they're, like, comments that make us sad, then we'll just cry ourselves to sleep at night. But yeah. if they're comments that make us, like, happy, then we'll uh, say them on the podcast and we'll give you a shout out. So comment wherever you listen to us, if it's on iTunes or any of the other uh, platforms. Yeah. But back to the episode. <laughs> well, I mean, let's just jump right in. Yeah. Let's you go want... for it. Yeah. So um, we're going to do our examples and our answers to this, uh, the, the most dreaded question. Yeah. And, and to remind our listeners what that is, um, the most dreaded question to an archaeologist ears is, what is the coolest thing you've ever found? Yes. And Nigel and I are both public archaeologists, yeah. right? So it's our job to like to speak to the public and to you know work with other people and to to teach people about archaeology. And so we have to answer this question all the time, Lots. and we're always happy to answer this question. Yeah. But I think not all archaeologists have that much interaction with the public, and so that's why um, it could be a difficult question for yeah. for folks. Um, you want to go? Sure. Okay. It's tough. There's a lot of most interesting things I've ever found. Right. And I don't mean to interrupt, but that is one thing that we'll touch on is that it's a really difficult question to answer because yeah. we have not only found lots of objects, but that are cool, but you know, each one of those objects is a particular circumstance and that could also be cool. So it's, it's a t right. tough situation to answer. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I think the most interesting thing I ever found, one of the most interesting things I've ever found was, um, actually on, when I was on field school. Yeah. So I was a student, um, learning how to do like, how to do archeology, span how to excavate. And so I did my field school at Kingsley Plantation, which is, um, a plantation site, a place where people were enslaved along the St. John's River. Um, it's just north of Jacksonville, Florida. Mm -hmm. And so Kingsley Plantation um, is a pretty you know, famous site in Florida. There's a lot of the, um, the cabins where you know, people were, were living, the enslaved people who were on the plantation were living in these um, tabby cabins that were you know, out, just outside of the, you know, the main kind of part of the plantation. And we talked about tabby a little bit in one of our mm -hmm. earlier episodes. So one of the areas that we were excavating um, on this field school was actually inside one of the cabins. And so I was working, digging down, um, and this, the cabin, it originally had a dirt floor, mm -hmm. right? And so as you're digging, the only way that you could figure out where the actual floor was at the time when people were living there is really by like the the way that the soil was like compacted so you kind of had to like dig and then feel like okay is this more or less like compacted you can even like knock on it and it was like it was really um when you get down to the floor it was like a lot harder than the soils that were like above it or below it so you know i'm i'm learning how to you know to look for that digging down carefully and then also as you're getting down to the the floor where people were living all these little artifacts start to pop up mm -hmm. from the people that were, you know, from their everyday lives. And so to me, one of the coolest things I ever found 
was a broken piece of a pipe stem that was oh, embedded cool. in the floor of this um, this cabin where you know enslaved people were living, and so it was literally just a plain piece of clay pipe stem. Like, I mean, yeah. there are a dime a dozen on mm-hmm. any historic <laughs> archaeological site. But as I was digging down and reached that floor and found that piece of a pipe stem, when I picked it up, I knew that the last person who had held that pipe stem was someone who was a slave on that plantation. Mm. And so to me, that was the coolest thing I ever found because of that connection that I felt in that moment. And it was also very memorable because it's one of the things that really made me like, I was, I mean, I was already, you know, wanted to be an archeologist, but that's one of the things that really hooked me and really Mm. made me understand, um, what archeology span was all about. Wow. That's, that's really awesome. So Nigel, what's your, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, we're going to be able to top that. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Well, mine was, um, mine was really specific to the situation and wasn't a particular object. It was a group of many, many, many different objects. I I did cultural resource management archaeology for well over a decade all over Florida in the southeast. Um, and I was lucky enough to be doing a job right on the Itchituckney River. Um, and those of you that aren't familiar with that, that's this beautiful spring-fed river just north of Gainesville. Crystal clear water come tubing the Itchituckney River at Itchituckney <laughs> Spring State Park. Beautiful river, and we were doing a um, um, a project right on the bank of, of the river um, at the far uh, west end of it. Actually, were the tubers that come down the river? They like dis- potatoes, or <laughs> 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 the people that are in inner tubes um, uh, come out after the, the the long run down the river. Um, tubing down the river and so the the little tram picks them up and takes them back to the parking lot and we were right there doing archaeology and what we had found was this village site um lots just overflowing with prehistoric ceramics historic ceramics on top of that you know a few stone tools but what what one the reason that i would consider this the coolest thing i've ever found was because a it was on like one of my most favorite places environmentally in Mm. in the state i love that that river i love swimming it and diving the river but also it it was the first village site like long-term habitation Native American habitation site that I'd ever really found that evidence of people living there for a very, very long time. And it was this huge project. And now probably about 80% of it is underneath a substation, a power substation. Mm-hmm. But um, it <laughs> was really, that's for another podcast. That's for another <laughs> podcast. I'll, I'll save that for another podcast. But it was super exciting to, to, to kind of find that. And for similar reasons to be picking up these pieces of this, you know, Native American pottery that has been deposited by the people that were living there, but um, there was evidence of people living there for a long, long, long time. Um, the soil was beautiful. It was relatively easy digging. We were right there on the river during the summertime. Um, we jumped in the river and swam around. I mean, it was really a kind of a, a cool project. So that was my coolest thing. And And like I said, there's probably a bunch of other cool things like objects, but what we're kind of focusing on this episode is not on what the coolest things are. Right. And I think, I mean, it was easy for us to give that answer to each other. Right. But I think that the reason that that question throws archeologists from, for a loop, like if we get it from some, a member of like the public is I can't just say the coolest thing I ever found was a pipe stem. Just like you can't say the coolest thing you ever found was like, pottery right the reason that it's difficult and the reason that makes those things the coolest things we ever found is the context context around those objects right right and so you know the thing that makes that question so difficult is that it's impossible to give a a true answer that's like very short right because in order to explain to you what the coolest thing we ever found is we have to give you the whole story of 
around that object so that we give that context right. of, of in, give that story um, behind that object because that's the actual thing that we think is so cool. I mean, context is really the most important concept in archaeology. Yeah. It's more important than the objects that we find themselves. Right. I would say. And it's it's the association between the objects that we find. It's the position of those objects beneath the surface, um, whether that's like their horizontal position, like how are they distributed across mm-hmm. the site or their depth below the surface, like mm-hmm. what layer of specific soil is that mm-hmm. object in. And all of those things, all of those like metrics and associations add up to the context of that of that object you know one thing that when i'm talking about that concept when i'm trying to teach if i'm teaching a workshop or talking to kids or something like that i often use and unfortunately people are really familiar with this analogy is that i often use the analogy of um like a crime scene Mm -hmm. and the idea that we all seen our crime shows where they're placing cones and little markers next to the shell casings um at a crime scene um now the reason they're doing that is because where those shell casings have ended up is what's really telling them the story. So if somebody were to uh, walk through and start kicking those shell casings, um, all of a sudden the shooter is no longer uh, in one location. He's in another location and there's multiple shooters now, you know, so it could mess everything up. And so that's literally exactly the same thing for archaeology. It's where it's not the artifacts themselves that are telling us anything. Anything. Sure, they sure they can provide a little bit of information. Um, they can we can get plenty of data from that. But it's where that artifact was found that provides us with the specific information, how it relates to other artifacts, and how it relates to the the environment around it. That's what really tells us the story. Yeah, and that's what um, context is all about, and that's why that question um, is is so difficult sometimes. I have a, a quote that kind of speaks to speaks to that, what we were just saying about context. And it's from um, James Dietz, who, you know, we quoted. Hey, we just talked about him. Friend of the show, James Dietz. <laughs> yeah. You're now a friend of the show, Mr. Dietz. Oh, um, no, it's from James Dietz from his book, um, Invitation to Archaeology. The contextual aspect of archaeological assemblage is an extremely valuable aid to inference. It is also very easily destroyed by incorrect excavation procedure. It has often been said that sites are artifacts which are destroyed in the process of fieldwork. Such a statement contains a large measure of truth. In many ways, the associations of the data are more precious than the assemblage itself. An artifact with no information concerning location and associations is of little value. Reckless digging for the sake of obtaining a collection of relics must be universally condemned. Such collections, literally torn from their context in the site, can tell us little or nothing about the culture responsible for their existence. I love that last bit of it. Can you read that again, the last I just put the book down. (laughs) (laughs) Such collections, literally torn from their context in the site, can tell us little or nothing about the culture responsible for their existence. And now we come to the subject of looting. Um, that 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 was a great um, paragraph, and it really illustrates how uh, the reasons why um, removing artifacts from sites, um, whether it's uh, places like the beautiful Itchentucky River, existing known sites, um, but it, it just in general, the removal of artifacts, um, digging, looting, is so detrimental to our understanding of the past. Um, I mean, it completely destroys everything. Archaeologists, we don't just dig to find broken piece of pottery or, you know, arrowheads and and those sorts of things. And, you know, sometimes, I think a lot of times archaeologists, we don't do a good enough job of explaining what it is that we do, right? And that it is so much more than just those objects. It's the everything else 
with those objects? Where did you find it? What was the depth? What were the soils like? What other artifacts were with it? You know, mm. all that information is so important. I mean, those that's the pages of the history book, mm-hmm. right? I mean, some of these sites we're talking about, you know, time periods where we don't have written written language. You don't have, you know, like someone didn't write a book 10,000 years ago that we can go back and read their take on what happened. The the soils and the ground, the stratigraphy that mm-hmm. is created over time, the the way that those artifacts are laid out, those are literally the pages of the history book. And so even when an archaeologist, when we are excavating a site, and as careful as we can be, as many notes and all that as we can take, as we're excavating, we are literally destroying that history book. We're destroying yeah. that site. And so if we are not recording the context of our finds, then what's left? Right. You know, we don't, right. we lose all of that information. Mm. It's all gone. We're not going to get another pre-Clovis site yeah. in Florida. We're not going to like grow a new one, right? Like right. we have as many as we're ever going to have. And so that's why we need to be so careful about recording them and um, excavating them if we have to do that. Um, that gives me an opportunity to, to actually give a shout out to uh, an archaeologist who who found probably one of the most important archaeological sites in the state, Dr. Jesse Halligan, who is working on a site called the Paige Ladson site up in the Florida Panhandle on the Osceola River. Um, she recovered, strictly based on context, <laughs> um, the the oldest artifact, uh, I believe, in the country. Um, uh, it was a a stone tool dated at 14,550 years ago and you can't date stone. So how would she have dated that? How would, how did she know that that artifact was indeed that old? Because of the context the context in which she found it. Right. right. And really cool. <laughs> Interestingly, that context was, you know, a 15,000 year old uh, mastodon poop. Um, <laughs> so that's really cool too. You know, if you're into mastodon right. poop. Right, but there's like a really kind of famous saying in archaeology. I don't know if it's like David Hurst Thomas that said it, but it's that, you know, it's not what you find, it's what you find out. And so, that being said, we're going to we're going to let our colleagues, our friends, um, you know, speak for themselves about their coolest things and how they answered that dread question of what is the coolest thing you've ever found. Let's give it a listen. Let's give it a listen. Okay, we're here with friend of the show, Emily Jane Murray, fellow F-Panner. I bet you get this question all the time. But what is it? What's the what's the most hated question in all of archaeology? What's the coolest thing you've ever found? Yeah, so what's your answer? So my answer is that I have had the pleasure of digging on not one, but two floors of Spanish mission churches. That's pretty cool. It's pretty epic. So um, (laughs) the first one that I've excavated is at, uh, on the St. John's River, it was a smaller mission church, and it was a clay floor, so we were digging and we just kept finding globs of clay, and we were like, oh, this is totally the church floor, where it would have been clay, and they would have swept it, and it was kind of compact and all. Um, and then the second mission tree tour I worked on is actually at uh, Mission Nombre de Dios, which is in just north of St. Augustine. And it was a tabby floor, so it was very much a concrete floor that you could see and you could point to. Uh, and just to sweep these tree floors that have been swept. So you found a floor. Several hundred years ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the floor of a building is the coolest thing I've ever found. So is that when like, um, someone from the public asks you that question, is that the answer that you give? This is the answer that I give. And I think it's pretty cool because it's a tangible object which people can wrap their hands around. Um, but it also like has much more meaning of thinking about like a church floor and what does that mean. And the people that have been there before. And like I say, like the act of sweeping a church floor yeah, that, that people swept in the 1700s is pretty... Yeah, it's kind of crazy... Uh, uh, like when you think about um, floors, like that's something that's completely detached from history, right? Like there's like a floor archaeologist, right? That's not something that you but read about. But how important are floors? Yes, <laughs> exactly. It's like yeah, nobody like, considers that. Yeah. Nobody considers that. And, and, and what does that mean about the building, right? How much more of in a building could you be than working on the right. floor right. of a building? And then so. the last time, who was the last person to like walk on that floor before? Or to sweep it. Yeah, or to sweep it. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's awesome. Thank you. So Thank much. you, MJ. Yeah. <laughs> 
What's the coolest thing you ever found and why? And you found cool stuff. I, know you have. I have found so many cool stuff and have had so many National Geographic moments that I don't even know where to begin. But if I, I guess if I had to really think back and go back into like all of my experiences, it would have to be the greens, the 7,900-year-old greenstone pendant at One Mineral Springs that was in 36 feet of water that dated to, well, I mentioned uh, through association about 7,800 years ago. Here we are with friend of the show, Dr. Diane Wallman, archaeologist extraordinaire. Um, and we are going to ask her the most dread question in all archaeology. Diane, what is your answer to the most dread question? My answer is I have a canned answer for the public, and I have an actual answer I give to archaeologists. And which one would you like give to hear? Give us and tell us why you do that. All right. Um, so the kind of canned answer, which isn't false necessarily, but I think it's more public friendly, um, is um, one of the first artifacts that I found as an archaeologist on my field school in, uh, along, in the southern, southern tier of New York along the Susquehanna liver, River through Binghamton University Livers, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Woo! Um, but along the Susquehanna River, it was a, a, a 4,000-year-old site, um, an you know, Amerindian site, and um, I found what now, what now we call a banner stone, what then I called an atlatl weight, or we called, um, and it was polished, this beautiful red um, stone with a drill through it, and that was kind of the first moment I was like, oh, I want to be an archaeologist. This is amazing. I really felt this connection. Um, so that's... And your public. That's my public one, which isn't untrue that I still... It was a moment. Mm -hmm. um, but in my research career, mm -hmm. I have a very different answer. Um, and that would be this tiny little polished bone pendant that I found on a plantation site in a slave village in Martinique. Um, that is in like kind of a star shape, and it's tiny, um, and and was found in, in the in the basically the back of a, a slave cabin, um, and you know isn't very extravagant, right? It's nothing that somebody might look at and be like, okay, um, but for me, it represented you know the kind of resilience and agency of these people who are in this terrible situation, and despite this, they wanted to make something beautiful. Were they hiding it? Um, it's hard to say. It was broken, so I think it was like a either well, it could have been earrings or a, or a necklace. It was like it was broken at a bit, but it's it's this beautiful shape. It's it's not quite a star, but it sort of has um, I don't know an obelisk star shape. But why do you not use that one when the like someone from the public asks you? Because what I think I have to give a lot more context. You guys understand context. And yeah, <laughs> I because you guys understand the fact that I do, you know, I, I do plantation archaeology and what that means and what that is, right? And so trying to explain to someone who might just be at a random place I'm at, like here, or someone I meet publicly, I'm an archaeologist. What's the coolest thing you found? I have to explain to them that okay, there's archaeologists who work in the recent past. Then I have to explain that there's archaeologists who work on things like African diaspora or enslavement or Atlantic slavery. Then I have to explain. So there's a lot of, right. And so y'all can understand when I, I can just briefly give you that explanation. Thank you. That's like our podcast. <laughs> so we, are, we want to ask everyone while they're drinking beers uh, the most dreaded question in archaeology. What's the coolest thing you ever found? What's the coolest thing you ever found oh, and why? God. And why? That is one of the hardest questions. It really is one of the hardest questions. I mean, like when when people ask that question, I often think they're thinking like the coolest, best preserved yeah, or most it, right. striking yeah. Yeah, thing, like right? So, in that sense, I remember digging uh, a cemetery in Georgia, and uh, we did not expect anything to be preserved, but we were digging this burial, and there was copper bells. And we were excavating it out, and the string was still holding the copper barrel bells together, and pulled it out like it was just still this perfect piece of jewelry oh, awesome. really that cool. you could, you know, imagine someone wearing. But um, what's your real coolest thing? What's I, just, I was talking to somebody here um, 
just like getting Radio Carbon dates back is like a Christmas present for me. I just can't wait yeah, to open <laughs> Radio Carbon email and see what the dates are because it's always like there's, they could be really bad that you've wasted four or five hundred dollars on a Radio Carbon date. Um, but like the more often than not. When you're very careful about picking the samples, they just hit that sweet spot that you, you know, got what you were looking for, or, or they open up new questions, you know, but they're not so bad that you reject them. Right. So, awesome. Thanks, Tom. Yeah. And go. Um, okay, we're here with Josh Goodwin. Um, we're going to ask him the most dread question in archaeology, which is, what's the coolest thing you've ever found, and why? Coolest thing I've ever found is probably reverse stratigraphy. Um, you know, yeah. and it's not about what you find; it's what you find out yeah. in archaeology. Yeah, what is uh, reverse stratigraphy, Josh? Reverse stratigraphy would be where you had some sort of depositional layer that was actually um, placed above another depositional layer, to where the regular um, time depth signature did not line up like you would want. So the coolest thing you've ever found is Older not an object. It's stuff. It's so that's our, our episode is about context, so that's yeah. why. Yeah, it's not, archaeologists, you know, I mean, the stuff is cool, um, but that's not really what we're we're out for. I mean, we're out to uh, find out something, uh, tell a story, and the, the object itself doesn't always tell the story, it's everything that's around. Thank you. Thank you. We're here with Dr. Jeff Mitchum. We want to ask you the most dreaded question in archaeology, which is, what's the coolest thing you've ever found, and why? The, the first Nueva Cadiz V we found at the Tatham Mound, because it finally proved that we had DeSoto contact there beyond any doubt. That's really cool. Awesome. Thank you. Here with, <laughs> we're here with Dr. Bob Austin, and we're asking him the most dreaded question. What is it? What is the dreaded question? What's the coolest thing you ever found, and why? The coolest thing, probably the coolest thing. I've found so many cool things, but the coolest thing that I think probably that most people would be interested in... <laughs> No, no, what is, is, no, no, no. well, the coolest thing, that I, I, because I've never found a whole pot before, uh -huh. and I was excavating a um, burial mound in um, Highlands County back in the early 90s, and um, there was not a whole lot of stuff in the mound. We were finding some flakes and some broken shirts, and there was a pot near the top of the mound that was broken that was pretty much complete. Uh, so we're we're excavating down, and we're I'm working with uh, the local archaeological society, the Kissimmee Valley Group, and uh, so we're getting down near the bottom, and we start finding human remains, and then I started getting worried because of Chapter 872 and everything. I'm thinking, you know, it, they were just fragments, and they were burnt and stuff. I'm thinking, we need to probably need to stop here pretty soon. And right when I was thinking about that, uh, my, I was shovel shaving the bottom, and I shovel shaved the bottom, and there was a circle, circle about about the size of the beer cup that I happen to be holding right now, <laughs> <laughs> a little bit larger than that. And at first, I thought it was a metal ring of some sort, and that I mean, it didn't look disturbed, but I thought maybe it was all disturbed. What the heck is this, you know? So I get down there and I start trowling away, and it's the top, the opening of a Deptford vessel. Oh, and so I'm, I'm, cool. I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm troweling away at the edge of it. And that, and of course, you people can't see this, but <laughs> but the top, yeah, the top of a Deptford vessel is round, and then it starts to curve in. And then it curves out again, and then it comes back and curves in again, and it's got what we call uh, tetrapodes on the bottom. And this one had four little feet Whoa. on the bottom, and it was only about what is that? About six. A beer cup in yeah. yeah, actually, not much bigger than this this beer cup. It was very small, uh, and it was check stamp, and uh, it was in situ. And at that point, I said, "We need to stop." I mean, we got this is an intact. It was obviously a burial uh, offering. We have bone fragments. So, you know, that was really cool to me as an individual item, simply because, I, you know, most archaeologists think about, you know, that's one of the, one of the questions. 
maybe not the dreaded question, but it's certainly another question. Have you ever found a whole pot? And I, of course, I never have. And because, you know, usually they are found in burial mounds and we don't get a chance to do that very often. So um, that was probably one of the last burial mounds in Florida that was excavated without having to go through the whole, you know, t totally for research purposes. Thank you, Bob. All right. Thank you. Right, thank you. We appreciate thank it. you. Oh, here's our... Here's... This is who we are. We have a logo and a card. <laughs> so we're here with a um, friend of the show, Eric Prendergast, and we're going to ask him the most dread question in archaeology. Oh, my God. Which is... Wait, what do you think it what is? What do you think it is? I don't know. Uh... Surprise do you, me. Do you, what do you know about dinosaurs? No, I don't mind that. I like dinosaurs. Yeah. Dinosaurs are cool. What's the coolest thing you ever found and why? Um, the coolest thing that I've found is in. I work in Tampa, Florida, with like you guys do, and we we've worked on a few of the same things together. Becky and I actually worked on. Um, uh, both have looked a lot at Fort Brook, which is the origins of Tampa. Um, and so, over the past couple of years, Seminole War Fort. Seminole War Fort. Yeah. Um, so it was during the period of Indian removal in Florida when they were kind of rounding up and expelling all of the Native Americans that were in this part of America in Florida when when it was basically absorbed by the United States. And and as, as yeah. Becky and Nigel know, this was like um, the epicenter of all of the U.S. activity during that time of that conflict. And that's where people were concentrated. That's where people were held. And that's where they were put on boats and shipped out. And so it's extremely important to Native American groups. And it's still here. And so we're looking for it. And now, because they're developing a whole big part of the city, we're finding a bunch of parts of it. We're finding a part of an old cemetery that was there and some parts where soldiers had lived and slept and eaten. And to me, that's really cool because it relates to what Native American people that still live and are descended from the Seminole tribe um, see as the time when... Uh, their great-great-grandparents were kicked out of the state, and so they really want to know where that happened, and so it's really awesome to be able to find parts of it. And it's all still there. All that history is still there. Yes. Buried underneath concrete. Buried under the streets. Uh, in front of the Lightning Arena, where yeah, the hockey crazy. team That's so crazy. It's so <laughs> insane. Yeah, you just go out there with a heavy excavator and pull up a part of a city street, and, and then just uh, all the parts of the fort are... Yes. <laughs> okay, we're here with uh, Dr. Keith Ashley, and we're asking him the most dread question in archaeology, which is, what's the coolest thing you ever found? For me, it's not actually a thing itself. It was a yes. It was a uh, structure we found. We found a uh, council house that was from Poussahatchee, which along the Tallapoosa River in Alabama. So I was an undergraduate, and it was pretty amazing. And it um, was one that was actually described by William Bartram as he went through that area. And some of the things that he had mentioned about it, actually, we actually found them with the centralized hearth these large support posts. It was pretty incredible. The unfortunate side of it was they were destroying this site at the time due to it was being mined for gra river gravel. So we were just literally in front of these, dredge, these dredges trying to take out the site, but it was incredible. Thank you. That's very cool. You're going to talk about something. The most dreaded question in archaeology. Do you, what do you think that is? Um, what's the coolest thing you ever found? Yeah. So, yeah, that's right. You're right. What's the coolest thing you ever found and why? So I can't say found out. I have to say no, no, no. like a thing. But, well, this episode is about context. So if what your answer is is about what you found out, then that's excellent. But for you, okay, okay, okay. Here you go. I got you. I got you. I got you. I got you. How's this for a soundbite? We are with. First of all, we are with Doctor Janessa Mahar. Newly minted, freshly minted PhD. Um, I think the coolest thing that I ever found, and the coolest thing I ever found out um, while doing my PhD research, was um, when I was investigating a shell midden site off the coast of Cedar Key. Um, 
amazing site, really deep stratigraphy, like 3,000 years of continu- you know, continuous occupation in this midden. I found what I believe to be a net gauge. Um, it was a piece of um, hard clam, so Mercenaria SP, um, probably the southern quahog, not the northern quahog, of course. Um, about 1,500 years old, 2,000 years old, um, according to stratigraphy. And this thing measured in diameter exactly to the diameter of net mesh gauges that are in use today still in Florida. Wow. And so, you know what? When it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's awesome. So, they figured it out 1,500 years ago. I'm sure people figured it out way before then, too. But to find an artifact that was a tool that is so similar to tools still in use today, that blew me away. That's amazing. Yeah. That was was pretty cool. Thank you, Janessa. Yeah, you're quite welcome. (laughs) I love all the examples, all everybody's like coolest thing they ever yeah. found. That was so much fun to, it was get really to good. go up and just like ask people that question. It was really the look of terror in their yeah. eyes. <laughs> yeah, but you know, but so many of them really knew what we were going to ask. And right. I wasn't sure if that would be the case. I kind of thought that people would be like, you know, well, what question are you <laughs> talking about? <laughs> <You know? laughs> but everybody knows. That everybody question. knows what the most. <laughs> So we didn't get a chance to acknowledge everybody during their interviews at the reception. So in order of appearance, we have Emily Jane Murray from FPAN Northeast, Mr. Steve Kosky, Dr. Diane Wallman, Dr. Tom Plakon, Dr. Josh Goodwin, Dr. Jeff Mitchum, Dr. Bob Austin, Eric Prendergast, Dr. Keith Ashley, and last but not least, Dr. Janessa Mahar. Um, this list will also be in the show notes for this episode, so please check that out along with a bunch of other stuff. Janessa Mahar also gave the keynote address. Yeah. In the closing banquet at the at the at the conference, so that was really cool. So if you're interested in finding out more about Janessa's work, just Google Janessa Mahar. Yeah, and I thought they all gave really awesome answers and. Please continue asking archaeologists what the coolest thing they ever found is. But, like, the reason that we kind of dread that question, it's not because it's a bad question. No. It's not because we don't want to talk about it. It's because we don't want to mess it up. Yeah. Because we don't want to, like, disappoint you. Because we're afraid that saying that, you know, the coolest thing I ever found is, like, a broken pipe stem yeah. isn't going to be, like, a good enough answer for you. But... I think, um, and this also goes out to all the archaeologists out there, when people ask you that question, like, let your nerd flag fly. Like, tell them why it's the coolest thing you ever found. Talk about context. Right, right, right. Because that's what archaeology is all about. And Mm. when we don't talk to the public about those things, we're we're doing them a disservice. And they're missing out on the really cool stuff that the archaeologists find and what we find out and that's the most important thing context context because this subject is is contentious and it, it you know even in the state of florida where where there's actual like um you know legislation there's actual like real contention about this specific subject matter and about um uh, uh the importance of artifacts versus the importance of context like we're having a battle of wills to try to educate the public about how important and vital it is to protect these resources because when they're gone they're gone right. um they're destroyed and that piece of evidence that puzzle piece that kind of co- co- connects us to a time that there was no written language um will be gone forever and so it's so important to protect right and the way that we protect it is by keeping it where it's at right right so put the stuff down keep it where it's at take a picture we all have really fancy cameras on our really fancy phones in our pockets (laughs) so um yeah we're gonna wrap it up as always, thank you listeners for tuning in once again. Um, please like us on all the different uh, social medias. Um, we, You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Google Play. You can find us on Podbean. You can find us on um, – oh, now we're on – pod coin oh. um, which i just <laughs> i just hooked us up with so um if you want to earn I guess, a very very minimal amount of money listening to podcasts join pod coin start listening to our podcast there 
We're on Facebook and Instagram. Big shout out to all the FPAN regions throughout the state. It was good seeing you at FAS. It was really great seeing everybody. Um, It was a wonderful conference, um, and we look forward to seeing you all in the future. For more information on Florida Public Archaeology, go to uh, fpan.us. Intro music. Thank you to Have Gun Will Travel, and thank you, Matt, for commenting. We use their song, Silver in the Age of Opulence, by permission. You can find out more info about them by by going to hgwtmusic.com. Did I forget to mention anything? No, I think that's it. I think that's it. Okay. Bye, well, guys. Thanks, guys. Or people. People. Bye, people. <laughs> <laughs> we'll y'all. Ca- bye, y'all. Bye, y'all. We'll catch y'all on the flippity flip. I have a different answer to archaeologists. Okay, tell us that. All right, we'll see okay. what we do. What's the coolest thing you ever found and why? Wait. Context. 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 There I was. A digging his hole, all in the ground So big and sort of round it was and there was I Digging it deep, it was flat at the bottom And the sides were steep when along comes This bloke in a bowler which he lifted and scratched his head Whoa, he looked down the hole, pulled him into his soul And he said, do you mind if I make a suggestion? Don't dig it there, dig it elsewhere You're digging it round and it ought to be square The shape of it's wrong, it's much too long And you can't put a hole where a hole don't belong I ask, what a liberty, eh? Nearly bashed him right in the bowler Well, there was I, a sturdy me oh, Shovel in earth, for all that I was worth I was And there was him Standing up there so grand and official with his nose in the air So I gave him a look sort of sideways and I leaned on me shovel and sighed Whoa, I lit me a fag and having to a drag I replied I just couldn't bear to dig it elsewhere I'm digging it round cause I don't want it square And if you disagree it doesn't bother me That's the place where the O's gonna be well, there we were discussing this hole, hole in the ground So big and sort of round it was, it's not there now The ground's all flat and beneath it is the bloke in the bowler hat And that's the